0: Moncrief on News Talk. If you want to choose the perfect gift, you can do a lot of agonizing or perhaps turn to science. Science can help you get it right. Jeff Gallack is Associate Professor of Marketing at the Carnegie Mellon Tepper School of Business in Pittsburgh. Jeff, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh the the if you especially if you're buying a present, Jeff, for someone that you're close to, um, if you get it wrong, can that have a A negative effect on that relationship
1: oh very much so so presents often signal how much we care about another person and so if you give somebody a present that falls flat uh, that might signal that you don't care about them and it could really hurt the relationship
0: or that that sense of kind of do you know me at all Kind of feeling, Uh, um, yeah, I've heard that said. Not to me, uh, I I, I hasten to point out. Uh, And uh, and one of your pieces of advice is that what we tend to fantasize about is that moment where they unwrap the present and then their face lights up, and that's what we're thinking about—that immediate effect. But maybe we shouldn't think about that.
1: Yeah, that's right. The the science on this is pretty clear. So givers and recipients think about two very different things when they evaluate the quality of a gift. So givers think that what receivers are going to care about is what you just said. It's that moment when you unwrap the present and and your face lights up. But that moment lasts for just a few seconds, and then the recipient is left with whatever the gift actually is. So the recipient certainly cares about that moment, but they care much more about how that gift is going to be used over time, how useful it is to them, how valuable it is, and for the long haul. But givers tend to ignore that and instead just pick things that will make somebody smile in that moment. And that mm. could be a big mistake.
0: Yeah, because I suppose that idea of if you give some, say, a subscription to something and immediately they might go, oh, well, that's not very sexy kind of a present. But then three months down the line, they come back to you and say, that thing's great, actually, because I use it all the time.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's also, interestingly enough, people are, it, it, would it be the case people are, reluctant to buy somebody a present, uh, an item, if they already own that item, as in, like, I like your hat, so you're not going to buy them the hat you
1: have. Very much so. So we all have, to some degree, a need to feel like a unique individual, right? We don't want to just be part of a collective. Um, then that's, you know, greater for some people and less than others. But overall, we have this. And so when I'm considering giving you a gift, Sean, if I already own that gift, like, let's say it's the jersey of my favorite player on my favorite sports team. Um, I don't want to give that to you, even if it's also your favorite player, because it undermines my sense of uniqueness, right? I'm reluctant to have this duplicated because now my gift makes me, excuse me, my possession makes me less unique because I've given it to you as a gift as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, though at the same time, it's obviously an advantage if you have some common interests with the person you're playing the gift for. It makes it
1: that little bit easier. Oh, for sure. Knowing something about the recipient is obviously important in selecting a good gift. Um, But I would actually argue that knowing a little bit is worse than knowing nothing. (laughs) Um, And that's because it's because you might give something in the right general category, but then you might still get it wrong. So, just as an example of that, um, if I know that, say, you like reading, that's great. I I might get you a book. Maybe I get you a first edition of something and, and really put a lot of care into it. Cool. But if you already have that book, or if it's a genre that you don't really care for or an author that you don't really care for, I, I've just failed. I've actually made it worse because I've, I've gotten it so fundamentally wrong. If I didn't even know that you liked books, then I would be less likely to make that mistake.
0: Yes, because I suppose especially people might, you know, it, it kind of it's a generic present. almost. You might give someone a bottle of wine, but exactly. if they're into wine, they might
1: go, this is plunk or they mightn't drink at all. Um, that, that's right. Assuming you know the person drinks wine, you can very rarely go wrong with that as a gift. It's never going to be very special, but it's not going to stand, you know, but it's not going to fall flat.
0: Yeah. And this is, I suppose, you know, the uh, the least Christmassy aspect to this because people, and it might be something people don't want to hear, ask them what they want.
1: Yes. This is my number one piece of advice that we've learned through decades of studying the psychology and the science of gift giving. Um, I have never met a person who's received exactly what they asked for and then been upset. It just doesn't exist, mm. right? And yet we all think that that's going to be detrimental to the gift-giving experience, and this comes back to where we started about that moment of surprise. It is not surprising to unwrap the exact gift that you asked for, right? That, that surprise is gone. And the gift-giver thinks that that will fundamentally undermine how well-received the gift is. But there is absolutely no evidence for that. Recipients, if they ask for an item... And then receive it are elated; they are so happy to get that. And so, quite frankly, we all just need to get over ourselves and ask people what they want.
0: Yeah, and and also from your study, like the what what's the roughly the percentage of people who who, who relate stories of oh I got a horrific gift and I've never forgiven the person for it? Does that happen that often at all, really?
1: It, it does happen. So you you can get it wrong. Um, you know, the in the US here we had a, a big. Uh, moment where there was an advertisement for this company peloton that says exercise bikes and oh, yes. the, there was an advert for for this woman getting this out you know peloton bike from her husband for i think it was for her birthday or something i mean that's a pretty good example of maybe a not appropriate gift right to signal to your romantic partner that hey maybe you should work out a little more <laughs> and, and get, get trim you know th- those are the types of gifts that could really signal something negative uh, and be, be harmful they, they do happen but thankfully they're they're not super common. Um, I think more often what you see is gifts that are just mediocre. And yeah. if we're all spending time and effort and money, we might as well try to be exceptional and not just mediocre.
0: Yeah. Now, and I understand uh, uh, you and your partner, you actually have a Google document on this subject, exactly. just, just for yes. presents. presence.
1: Yeah. So uh, we've been married now for 14 years. And since the very first day of our, our marriage, we decided that gift giving is hard. Um, it can be Taxing on each other in terms of thinking about what to get, and to your point, if you give the wrong gift, it could really be harmful. So we we came up with a pretty simple solution, which is that we have a shared Google Doc of, of items that we want, and these are items that are you know somewhat frivolous or maybe a little more expensive than we'd just be willing to buy on normal normal basis, but they'd make for perfect gifts. And so when it comes to a birthday or an anniversary or a holiday where a gift is expected, instead of racking my brain for hours what my wife might want. I have a list there. And uh-huh. the beauty of that list is it's going to give her exactly what she wants, but it still maintains some surprise. So the surprise isn't in is what she's getting, it's which of the items she's getting. So she might have a dozen items on there, and I'm going to pick the one that I happen to want to buy her in that moment. So there's still a surprise. And the surprise also comes in the form of timing. She doesn't know when this gift is going to arrive, but it comes. She gets exactly what she wants. But we do maintain some of that mystique and, and surprise that exists in gift giving.
0: Okay, that's genius. Given what you do for a living, Jeff, and, and, and you do interviews on the subject, do you find enormous uh, pressure on yourself at this time of the year? Because, all you know, your extended family are lining up going, well, Jeff's going to give me the perfect <laughs> gift this year.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely a little bit of that. Uh, I think we, we found as a family a nice equilibrium where um, – the, maybe the best way to put it is we, we gift down generations. So my children are spoiled rotten um, and I still receive a few gifts from my parents. Um, but we we tend to not give laterally and up generation as much. And that mm-hmm. has relieved a lot of the burden. And th- But that's obviously a, a decision every family makes for themselves.
0: Jeff, thanks so much for talking to us today. And uh, happy Christmas uh, to you Thank and you your uh, extremely well gifted family. Uh, that was Jeff Gallick there uh, from the uh, School of Business in Pittsburgh.